Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two guys who believe that daylight savings is an important part of the fabric of America. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Well, one of those guys is not me. <laughs> daylight savings time is a crock. We are kidding ourselves. You know, messes up everybody, people, animals, and especially children. This is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zielak. You can find me at Producer Gene on Twitter. And uh, I think that daylight savings time might be the best form of birth control that there is. <laughs> Chuck, how, how does it affect animals? Like wild animals? Well, well, no, I was saying our interaction with animals. Animals are not affected by daylight savings time, but we have to pretend like they are. So I imagine, I imagine like pet owners like have the cat or the dog coming to the door looking for food, and you have to yell like, "No, you have to wait it's an hour." Six fifteen, like you know what time you get fed, and the cat's like, "What the fuck?" Like this is like I know what time. The sun's up. Like feed me. Well, we managed to all get together at the same time once again by some miracle. So let's get into it. Uh, why not start by talking about Bryce Harper? Why not, right? That's all anybody wants to talk about anymore. Bryce Harper. Are you guys excited that Bryce Harper's on the Phillies? I, I am. <laughs> I am. The the walks that were heard around the world, and I don't think that's an overstatement, but uh, yeah, give me that Bryce Harper semblance of news 24-7. <laughs> this is kind of where I wanted to start. I think, look, I'm excited Bryce Harper's on the Phillies. Okay, and I got really excited about it the day it happened and, and the week that it happened. And we, we all need to take a deep breath because th- this is it's not I don't even know how to say this. This is not l- locking postseason up. This is not guaranteeing World Series. It's still going to be a difficult hill to climb for the Phillies to make the postseason. Gabe so, Kepler is still the manager of the team. <laughs> yeah. Um, so everyone take a deep breath, like don't go spending all kinds of money to see Bryce Harper and spring train. Like it is that that's spring training. Those are, those are still like getting into baseball shape, seeing at bats at bats. Like everyone needs to calm down. I wouldn't even go crazy trying to see opening day because again, it's just one out of 162 games that Bryce Harper is going to play for the Phillies. It's just, just pump the brakes. We got a long way to go here. Look, nothing is uh, is ever sold out entirely, right? You can always get a ticket. <laughs> you made that sound super shady for what the <laughs> answer is, like StubHub or SeatGeek. Neither. Well, of them I mean that's what us, it is, but if, right? But if you want to go to SeatGeek and type in Potadelphia, if anything happens, please send us money. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, let's. I'm just gonna do a quick uh, a quick search here on SeatGeek. Let's see what those tickets are going for. Philadelphia Phillies opening day. Braves at Phillies. Yeah, we're still. You can still get uh, a lot. There's a lot of tickets on here. You can still get them for as low as ninety nine dollars. So, oh, hey, a bargain man, at twice the price. If you got to see Game One and you won't settle for Game Two, uh, go for it. You can get a twenty seven dollar ticket on Game Two. Wow. That's a hell of a drop. What are you gonna do? What do you do? Opening day ticket? You gonna save it? You gonna put it in a frame? (laughs) Yeah, game. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to take away anyone's enthusiasm. 
I just think we've got a long way to go. Let's see if this enthusiasm, you know, and this excitement carries into May, June, dog days. Do we even get tickets for things like that anymore, or do you just, like, have to take a screenshot and print it out? <laughs> I think it's like the QR code, right? That, that's all you get. I want to MLB it, app. I want to tattoo it to myself and be like, look, see, I was at opening day. You can scan my QR code. The ballpark app. Is uh, Shout out to WIP still running that Bryce Harper interview over and over again. Well, you got to milk that puppy for as long as you possibly can. I mean, dear Lord. I think it was like three days in a row. I turned on and say I heard that same interview over and over again. And when they're not airing it, there's somebody that's promoting the fact that they'll be bringing it up within an hour. Can we also talk about another thing that's kind of um, getting on my nerves? The the phrase run through a brick wall. We got to use that to describe everything. When, when did you last hear the phrase run through a brick wall? I hope it didn't involve Joel Embiid. No, no. Oh, God, no. He better no, not run involved, anywhere near it, well, a brick wall. Today, it involved Brian Dawkins. Dawkins, Brian Dawkins came and spoke to the Phillies to inspire their preseason game, their <laughs> spring training game. Got a must-win situation. We got we to bring out the big guns. Brian Dawkins comes down, I think the article said, and gives speech to the Phillies that made everyone want to run through a brick wall. If you want to run through a brick wall during spring training, like I want to have a conversation with you. Like go, that's great. Take it down a few pegs. <laughs> Take your two at bats and then like, you know, we'll we'll talk in 3 weeks. I want you got to pace yourself here. I want to show somebody a clip of Aaron Rowan smashing into a center field wall and be like, "This is how you get yourself onto the DL." That's <laughs> that's what that will get you. <laughs> Yeah, but you do get your name remembered in Philadelphia for a long time for that. I mean, but it doesn't guarantee you a contract the next year. No, it doesn't. It it guarantees you go off to uh, the Astros and obscurity. You know. <laughs> yeah, but that play is the only reason that all of us still remember Aaron Rowan. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, run through a fence as opposed to a brick wall, but but. Yeah, it's a it's a bit of hyperbole, and I see Dawkins down there, and I I don't want to speak ill of of B Doc, but like, is somebody looking for attention? Like he he, <laughs> he he was, but I mean, he is kind of like he was saying like, oh yeah, I I played a big part in getting Bryce Harper here, and I'm gonna go down and you know rally the team for a spring training game, you know, uh, it's like, I, I love the sports overlapping. I really do. You know, uh, a couple flyers were at the, the Sixers game today. I love when our teams cheer for one another, help each other out, support one another. I really do enjoy that. But I'm like, doc, it's early March, man. Like, you know, Rev them up in August, you know, or or the the opening stretch of games, you know, something just now it seems like I was on vacation and I wanted a little bit of spotlight. I don't know. We are we are bristling some people today. I think <laughs> we really are. Like, you're too excited about Bryce Harper. And by the way, Brian Dawkins has attention issues. <laughs> 
can we pick on Mike Schmidt and Allen Iverson too while we're at it? Let's just take down all our heroes. <laughs> but don't say anything mean about Chase Utley or I'll cut you. <laughs> but you notice Dawkins had the jersey that said Dawkins, and underneath it it said Schmidt because he was wearing number 20. Right. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I did see that. That's awkward. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like I, Dawkins I, should just wear the Schmidt jersey. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Any chance we can get all four 20s retired in Philly? We got Markel Fultz. <laughs> <laughs> any, any flyers that wore 20 as close as Markel Fultz? Uh, I mean, Chris Pronger, he's in the Hockey Hall of oh, Fame. Right. So n- not for the work he did with the flyers, but he was on the flyers payroll when he went in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So Fair enough, fair enough. Um, all right, so... Can we go back to the original point about um, Harper's first game, at least, and this the the excitement surrounding that? Okay, Be, because I I was excited, and I, I wasn't going nuts. I wasn't going like this wasn't the highlight of my week, but I was excited for him to finally take an a bat, you know, an at bat as a as a Philly. So I I was excited. It did still still feel special. Now I think his next game will be Monday, uh, the eleventh, and I'm not too excited about that. But that that first game on Saturday did feel special. I I tweeted out that I was going to be at my, David had his birthday. My son had his birthday party, um, so I was afraid I was going to miss it. So I did DVR the spring training game, which is. Not normal behavior for me, I will admit. Um, and I was actually, I think that day I was painting, I was painting a room, and Bryce Harper's at bat came up, and I stopped painting, went to watch the at bat. He walked terrific, got really nothing to hit, even the one, <laughs> the one pitch he swung at was out of the zone. Um, and then I went back to painting, and I heard that Reese Hoskins hit a monster home run right after so you know i also, I was excited about it too i have to admit i was excited about it too but I, you know but i mean you know it's, i it's, i also <laughs> taped the the spring training game and I, I think the last time i i watched a spring training game on delay had to have been probably when doc halliday made his de- debut Sure. I think that's when the last one I did. But f- with pitchers in spring training, it's it's different because there is really no expectation that you're going to see much of anything. Um, yeah, guys are still working stuff out. It's not it's not real um, yet. So uh, I wasn't surprised. I, I was a little. I was actually more. I'm going to be more excited probably tomorrow. I'm actually more excited to kind of see Bryce come out and play the field, um, just because I feel like. That's gonna then it's gonna kind of feel more real to me. Um, it was an odd situation and kind of showing how things have progressed. And they even commented about this. Now I was saw the TV broadcast, but um, apparently on the radio broadcast uh, when Bryce was announced. And 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 one other ancillary point. Maybe I'm the one who who is being a little bit of a grump on this one, but I was not a huge fan of him coming out to the Fresh Prince of Bel Air theme. Because, I had that to talk about here because, because I, yeah, I wasn't feeling that either. Nor was I. Because, like, he is not from West Philadelphia, born and raised. 
I'm sure he spent most of his days on the playground, but there is, I mean, with four arms like that, there weren't any kids bullying him. Like, that's just he can not... afford the, he can afford a house in Bel Air. Yeah, no, no doubt. And, and he was from Vegas. He's a West Coast guy. It, it just, like, to me, that's, that's, that was a little bit of pandering. You know what I mean? Like, that was a little bit, like, I get it. Like, you, you're, you want to be from the neighborhood, but like, to a certain degree, like, I still want, like now, I kind of want to see a little bit of the asshole Bryce Harper again. Like, like <laughs> zero, zero percent chance he had anything to do with selecting that song. Yeah, zero percent chance. Zero. Like, I wanted, I want some walk up music for Bryce. That's typical Bryce. What is his right. walk up music? What was it in DC? I have no idea. I'd have to, I'd have to look that up. Um, yeah, because I, I'm sure I was in DC for home games, but I was probably too busy like booing loudly when he came <laughs> up. But like that's the thing is like now when he's in a game, like I've seen the like I'm happy to be here, Bryce Harper. Now I kind of want to see a little bit of like the uh, take his helmet off, like have somebody take his helmet off, arm sleeve, um, douchebag. Like like that's the yeah. thing is like now like we've got this guy for 13 years. It was the thing that I hated, uh, but I'm I want to start to get used to the fact that like. You know, he's going to start to irritate other fans, and that's the thing that I'm going to enjoy. So I want to kind of see, even in spring training, him kind of be a jerk. Not yeah. like Jonathan Papelbon level of jerk, <laughs> but, like, I still want to see a little bit of, like, swagger, a little bit of that arrogance. Like, I now I kind of, like, I want to see him, like, in baseball mode. And maybe, like, you've got to ramp up to that kind of thing. But, like, I don't want humble... Humble pot, like you know what I mean. Like I got Reese Hoskins to be like Mister Shucks. Like I have that on the team. Like now I want a little bit of like look at look at me. Like be the man. Yeah, we we talked about last week, and you know I was thinking back to that when the the Fresh Prince song came up, where I said I felt like Bryce was genuine. I go well, maybe he's just saying the right things to win people over, but I feel like he was being genuine. And then with that music selection, I'm like, okay, this is just poor pandering. The, uh, you know? I'm on a I'm on a CBS.com article that says Bryce Harper draws pair of walks, comma, chooses perfect walk-up song in Philly's debut. It really isn't. Was that written by somebody who lives in like oh. Brooklyn or something? Like somebody who has no concept of what it's like to be in Philadelphia? Especially West Philly, too. Like that, that is saying something, you know, it, it's not like saying you're from the main line or center city or even whatever Fishtown is nowadays, you know, it's saying I'm from West Philadelphia. I'm not from the nicest part of the town. You know, it, it's saying that you're carrying this Philadelphia chip on your shoulder and, and he's not. <laughs> the only thing that would have been worse, though, maybe would have been if Will Smith had been there and done it live. That might have been worse. I got some we got some crazy like Bryce Harper walk up stuff. He's not like uh, I'm going to stick with the same song for my career. I get he uh, looks like at one point he walked up to J. Cole's uh, G.O.M.D. You guys know what that stands for? No. Stands for get off my dick. <laughs> See, there we go. <laughs> that I like. Yeah, we got some uh, Bad to the Bone. He's got Justin Bieber, Kendrick Lamar. Uh, so he's all over the place. So maybe he did pick it. Yeah, and that's helpful. You know, the idea that, you know, he picks something for whatever mood he's in and doesn't put too much thought into it. I don't know. I like that Chase just does cashmere like all the time. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like it, and, and Chooch had one that was pretty much always his, too, right? I can't remember what it is. Now. I don't. I, I don't can't know. remember what it is either. Anybody else right. uh, that we remember throughout the throughout the years that had? I feel uh, like Jimmy Jimmy Rollins had one that was his for a long time too. And I think uh, Howard had one that yeah. was pretty steady too, yeah. didn't he? We all know Cashmere though, and that's really the important thing. Yeah, <laughs> I think Pat Burles was like all the single ladies or something like that. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, okay, so. Gene, you wanted to bring up the uh, the defensive alignment the Blue Jays have uh, deployed against uh, Bryce Pooh. Well, actually, and before I did that, before I went off on my walk up tangent, the the thing that they brought up on the on the on the uh, radio broadcast was like, oh, you're not hearing a whole lot of cheering going on because everyone in the stadium has their phone out because they were all taking pictures and video. Um, is this what we're going to experience on opening day? Or do you think people will be able to put their phones down long enough to actually cheer for Bryce Harper when he walks up? Or do you think all the cheering will get out when he's announced in the, at the beginning of, the, of opening day? This is a problem in our society in general. Like, you do not have the uh, quintessential view of Bryce Harper walking up to the plate. You know who's got that? Uh, the NBC has it. So just DVR the game if you want to keep re-watching that moment over and over again. You put the phone down, watch things happen in real life, and enjoy it. Yeah, because how many times are you going to go back to that mostly blurry photo of the back of Bryce Harper? Like, yeah. you're never going to do that. Like, I, you know, I was at the game where Shane Victorino hit the Grand Slam in the NLDS against um, the Brewers in 08. And... I don't have any pictures of it. And you know what? I still remember that event. It's amazing how that happens because <laughs> you know what happens? They show it on TV once in a while. Like, in or you can go on YouTube at any time and watch any play yeah. in the history of anything anytime you want to watch it. But I remember being able to cheer and watch that happen like in real life. And I have that real memory in my head. And I, I I don't have some blurry photo that so I so you didn't watch at. it through the screen of your goddamn Pixel Seven or whatever the hell you were carrying around back then. Jesus, I have no idea what kind of phone I had back then. It was probably like a Zach Morris thing without even a camera on it. It was probably a <laughs> yeah. You're all high and mighty, but like you're carrying a rotary phone into <laughs> yeah. the game. But and I think we should be beyond this by this point. You know. Smartphones are not new. Camera phones are not new. You know, it's, I think by now everyone should have made that mistake and learned from it. And, and I've made that mistake. I can't think of the specific event, but I know there was a time where I was trying to capture the moment with my phone and then realize like four minutes into it, I'm like, I'm not looking at this with my damn eyes. Like, could you I imagine could be anyway, anywhere. Could you imagine if we were at the Winter Classic and we were trying to record the overtime on our phones so we could, I don't know, prove that we were there or whatever? It would have been horrible. Right. No, we would have missed the best. Like, we had sat in the rain for four hours, and we would have missed the, the whole payoff. It would have, it would have been yeah. awful. Yeah. Just take a, take a shot to, to note that you were there. Like, just your own little memento, but just experience the moment. And then also, real quick on that point, even if you have your camera out, you should be cheering. You should be hollering. If you're taking video, I imagine you should be doing the same. You don't want to ruin your high-quality video with, like, you going, woo! <laughs> have you ever seen any of my videos? I'm going, woo! 
true in every one of them. It's like my daughter talking. It's like, ooh, Katie's saying her first words, and here's her father going, woo, words. <laughs> you speak those words, and like can't hear a damn thing. So I, I'm not, I'm not the best judge. Gene, hit us up with a little defensive alignment. Okay, so I don't know if anybody else. There's been a lot of the, the chatter on this. Is it's been, I, it's been kind of b- both ways. Uh, I heard some talk on uh, sports radio today that was like, yeah, you know, let, play defense however you want to play, play defense. You, you know, you just got to coach the hitters to hit in a, in a different way. Um, this I think comes back to the age old argument about whether or not you should be allowed to play these. I'm just going to call them exotic defenses. Now, we've talked on the show, go back into the back catalog, uh, and you'll hear us have a discussion about how old the shift really is. It goes back into the early part of baseball. Uh, it's not a new strategy that's being employed all of a sudden. Um, managers have tried to place their nine players in ways to prevent base hits for as long as there's been baseball. Uh, the thing is, you have nine players, and when you put them in weird places, you're going to leave gaps and openings, and what you're hoping is that you you figured out something that, you know, you're going to put your guys in the best position to make an out rather than give up a hit. Obviously, that's the most basic concept. But everybody who was talking on the broadcast were like, we've never seen this before. We've never seen anybody line up four outfielders. And apparently, the Blue Jays manager or somebody made some sort of comment pregame um, that they had been doing uh, playing around with this idea and that you you might see it in this game and then then maybe in the regular season so being here's my spin on this to bring it into you know we saw it 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 was ended up being a walk and ended up being a nothing burger but would you like to see your Philadelphia Phillies start to employ more Four outfield defenses against power hitting lineups. I'm inclined to say no. Um, thinking back to those early episodes of the show, I came out pretty hard against the shift. And the the more I thought about it recently, it wasn't so much for the the defense that was being played as a opposing hitter, but more as a fan of the Phillies playing that shift. And being frustrated when it doesn't work or the complexity of it and just thinking it's over-managing the game. Um, if if the Phillies were to play it, I, I wouldn't be thrilled with it just because I think it's overkill. I think if you're leaving a spot in the infield wide open, then even if that's not the natural way for the person to hit it, you know, the next thing they're going to do in batting practice is try to bloop one to third or bloop one to wherever the opening is. I got to, so I, I really I don't want to see test. it. I got a litmus Look. test for you. Okay. This is how you're going to, this is how you're going to determine whether you want the Phillies to deploy exotic defenses or not. <laughs> are you happier when they work out or are you more annoyed when someone beats the shift that would have been an out had the shift not been in effect? I am far more annoyed when the shift doesn't pay out. Boom. I just answered the question for you. (laughs) (laughs) You are anti-exotic. Gene, what about you? Oh, yeah. I think that I'm more annoyed when I'm like, God damn it. They just dropped a bunt down the third baseline for a double like that. That kind of stuff does 
drive me absolutely bananas. I never see that though. No, I never I mean, see in that the either. Shifts defense, but I never that, see that. but that's that's what would happen to the Phillies. That mean like because that's what happens to us. Everybody else that plays is an exotic defense, and that we're the team that they decide like we're going to do the thing that everybody's been saying we never do against it. We're going to drop down bunts into the shift. Um, I don't know. The thing is, here's my fear, if we, we can call it a fear. Gabe Kapler seems like the kind of guy that is going to want to try to be ahead of the curve. So he, mm-hmm. you might see him start to employ even more exotic defenses. You might just see him play two catchers. I, I have no idea. <laughs> It'll really cut down on wild pitches. <laughs> yeah, that that was my thought of, like... If we if we have four outfielders now, it's going to be Gabe having like five outfielders, you know, a pitcher and a shortstop and, you know, two catchers, like you say, Gene, and, you know, just try to make it work. But if, if it works, fine. I'm okay with trying it. Fine. Uh, I just don't buy the gimmicks. There you have it. Hey, I, have a, uh, I have a quick uh, Bryce Harper story before we close up the uh, the segment on him. I don't know if you guys heard this one, but when he was hitting in those simulated games, there was a uh, a minor league pitcher that was throwing to him. I don't think it was anyone of major consequence. Uh, but after after the session, Harper went up to him on the mound and said, hey, you know, I know you have a split finger. Um just let you know your glove is flaring uh, when you dig in for the grip. Oh, wow. uh, And you're tipping it. Nice. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's like I sometimes forget about those, you know, subtle nuances of baseball that obviously we have a star player that's keyed in on that stuff. It's great. I thought it was cool. Well, and and I I feel like this is one of those things where and and strangely enough, I was actually really kind of happy to you know that his his opening line was two walks and a run scored. Like to a certain degree, like I am one of those people that does find a lot of value, especially in the way this lineup could be constructed in him having an insanely high on base percentage. I yeah. think that that's going to be where we're going to see him really. You know, what are you it, talking about, Gene? I could have had Carlos Santana for like five five mil this year. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like there's something different about his style of on-base percentage versus Bryce Harper's style of on-base percentage. Um, before we close up the mailbag on mailbag. The mailbag? This is not even a segment. Before we Gene close both, up our... Uh, I've just the, created a new segment, Bryce Harper mailbag. stuff in our mailbag is credit card applications. <laughs> <laughs> um, two things first of all after um, Reese Hoskins hits a home run when Bryce Harper meets him at home plate he says get used to that which thumbs up to that that almost wipes out the distaste that the Will Smith thing had in my mouth um, because the idea of the two of them doing that in some combination all year long is going to be a lot of fun uh, I guess the, the, the other thing is there's a lot of chatter now amongst the the callers on talk radio. A lot of like, thank God we didn't get stuck with that Latin player, Manny Machado. What? Yeah. 
I haven't heard that. One of the one of the hot topics I've been listening to talk radio most of the evening was thank God we didn't get because I can, because Philly is a blue collar town and I can relate to Bryce Harper. So here's my question. Oh. Do you feel that you can relate to Bryce Harper on like a personal level or do you think that's all hogwash? If you were Joe Schmo the electrician down at Local IBEW seventy three or whatever. No, I'm sure I'm pissing Get somebody off. Get the money. Get that money. Do Do you feel like you relate more to Bryce Harper or Manny Machado? And do you think it has anything to do with their complexion? <laughs> Jesus God, I'm not answering that question, Chuck. Uh, sure, I'll I'll feel that question. I, I'm not afraid of my opinions, Dave. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I don't. If I, I don't know much about Machado, you know, it's and the the main thing I associate him with was that comment when he went to the Dodgers, right? Where it was like, I'm not going to be, you know, Charlie Hustle. That was not the exact phrase, but that's how we all heard it. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's that's not going to play too well around here. I liked seeing you know, Joe, the electrician or whoever it was, you know, come greet him, you know, at the car. And, you know, when we were meeting him as a free agent, do the right thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do the right thing. (laughs) But I I don't find Harper relatable at all. Like he came in as this like, like, you know, Wunderkind, you know, like coming in, like as going to be the next superstar, you know, Sports Illustrated profile on him as like what LeBron James of baseball or something along those lines. And I I don't find him relatable, but I can root for him because I think he's the, you know, the the best free agent out there. And you know what? I would have rooted for Machado too. Like I would have been happy to root for him. And for me, I don't know. Baseball's a Latin sport. If you have problems with Latino players in baseball, like you should like find Schmidt. a different sport. You like know? Mike Schmidt does. Does he? <laughs> and he oh, just said Adubel Herrera couldn't be a leader on the team because he doesn't speak English. Oh, yes, I remember that. Um, okay, I think I, 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 think I figured out. out how I would like to articulate an answer to your question, Gene. If the question was, can – do, who do I relate more to, Manny Machado or Bryce Harper? And if I answer Bryce Harper, is it because he is also white like me? Um, I think what I would say is it seems like Bryce Harper is more willing to relate himself to me than Manny Machado would have. Uh, I think Bryce has gone out of his way uh, to make an overwhelming effort to relate to the people of Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I when I hear the comments about like race and you know Machado, it was usually brought up of the some context of like, well, you know, people are worried that he's a slacker or he's he's a lazy player because he's Hispanic, and I was like, well, no, it was because he said I'm not gonna hustle out there. And I, again, I know that's taken partially out yeah, of context. Yeah, like what the hell are you talking about? There, there's a long history of fantastic Latino players in Major League Baseball, and you could go to Cooperstown and see them in the Hall of Fucking Fame. Yeah, and, and we have the recent history with Chooch. People love Chooch. He and Pedro Martinez. Don't forget that when Pedro oh, yeah. Martinez was here, as much as he is 
a Hall of Famer. It's not like Pedro Martinez came here and pitched badly, for example, you know, in the, within the same recent history. You don't even have to be good. We made a goddamn flotilla out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And it's I and the Phillies games, you know, are a diverse crowd. I, I think it's, you know, predominantly white, but I do see, you know, a, a lot of Latino fans out there you know you hear you got ricky ricardo doing the baseball coverage there is you know a hispanic fan base here so i i i can't really think much of it i haven't i I, i'm sure there are plenty of racist people out there but i i haven't seen it as as a factor in my phillies fandom i have not encountered it i have not gone and wanted to disassociate myself with hey i'm not one of those fans it just really hasn't been a presence. It is interesting to me, and 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 take this for with a grain of salt, or for, you know, for what it's worth. The amount of news coverage, both locally and, and nationally, about what's happening, you know, with Bryce Harper, the the press conference got got national coverage. His his spring training debut got national coverage. Have you seen Manny Machado's press conference? Have have did did you see any highlights of? Manny Machado's spring training debut. I haven't. I honestly just assumed that I, didn't, I wasn't interested in seeing it, so I, it didn't get brought to my attention. But there's I, people I, in Brooklyn that are being forced to, you know, to to endure and stomach Bryce Harper's first at, you know, first walk with us, and having, you know, if you listen to all of the MLB Network's coverage, they, they it's been all over it. It's been all over it, and I, I just, I'm just curious if maybe, if. It's either San Diego as a market, like just does not move the needle with with the national press, or if Manny had come to Philadelphia, would we be having a very different kind of slow burn going on here? Is he just not that kind of charismatic lightning rod? And was that why the Phillies were able were willing to spend the kind of money that they spent on Bryce Harper versus Manny Machado? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you you heard the interview with uh, Middleton, right, where he said that the Philadelphia fan base had an obvious preference of Harper over Machado. And it, it was basically why they backed off of Machado. They said it would it would have been difficult to sell to the fan base making a play for Machado for 300 million when Harper was still available. So I thought that was very telling. I but mean, I, finger I, on the pulse. You obviously don't want the fans running the team, but right. but I don't. Out there. They wanted this reaction. They wanted everybody to go and buy, clear out all the merchandise. They wanted to sell a hundred thousand tickets in a day, and I, I think that you have to when you're going to invest that kind of money into a player, you have to take those things into factor. The thing that I, I get a little bit offended by is the insinuation that it's racism. You know what I mean? Like I, because I don't believe that, but I do believe that there is something to be said for when you're going to make that investment and in getting a guy who is a good fit for what you want to do in in the city of Philadelphia. Manny Machado's personality, you could have a he could have been green for all it matters with his personality. I don't think he ever would have slotted in here because there have been other players that have had that were talented players that. We're never embraced the way that it seems like 
Bryce Harper is already being embraced. Well, man, he's got a reputation of being a dirty player. He's kind of a selfish guy. Uh, he's made statements like, about not wanting to play shortstop. Yeah, not laying it out uh, for the team. And the thing that makes the Harper signing, and the reason you can sell out of jerseys and set records with jersey sales, is the deal. You cannot go crazy as a Padre fan saying, "Oh, we're gonna have we're gonna have Manny here for ten years" because there's an opt out after four, and he's obviously gonna opt out, right? We don't think he's not gonna opt out. Well, unless something changes and suddenly San Diego gets, you know, competitive. I just, I just don't. Or he see... starts not playing well. I just don't. I mean, he may have great numbers out there, and they still might win sixty five games. Like, I just don't see how this. It's going to really change, but Happens I feel all like all the time. But I feel like Bryce Harper coming into this lineup, the end, everything else was pointing to putting a left-handed power hitter into this lineup because now it makes this lineup one through nine, one through eight, so dangerous. Like you, you this is a, a team that last year, at best, you could say they semi overachieved. Now there is true, real expectations for them to compete, and there is no reason why there shouldn't be at least those expectations. But we do need to take a breath and recognize the fact that the pitching staff has not been improved as of yet. It's the same staff that went out there last year. Yeah, we think Arietta is probably in better shape and and not injured. Uh, but you know, you're still gonna you still got Vi- the Vince Velasquez experiment continues. You still got slick Nick Pavetta uh, out there. You know, we watched Harper touch up Eichhoff in the simulated game. Who knows what's going on with the staff? And when you ask Klintak about it, he says that the the fact that the reality of the situation is we can't just spend $100 million for every position that we have a need for. And some of these young guys, a.k.a. cheap guys, need to step up and fill this void or this experiment's not going to work. You don't have to spend $100 million, but maybe, you know, $20 million or bring in somebody to to assist. You know, if things break right, our starting lineup can be okay. What do you really need to win in the postseason? What, three starting pitchers? Yeah, really, realistically. So we got two. And you, you just hope that somebody else can can step up and... Um, you know, in my opinion, you third. have one. You have one, and I don't know how our two stacks up against another playoffs team. Another playoff team's number two. I I agree, but, but I'm much but, more comfortable if Arietta is my three, and I think that's probably where Dave you are at too. And my yeah, hope is that, a lot better. And and my hope is that if we can come out of the gate, it's very true that generally pitching is ahead of hitting. So if we can if we can be I would say if we are within, if we are either, and we were leading at the All-Star break last year. Don't forget that we were leading the NL East at the All-Star break last year. If we can be leading the division or within two and a half to three, four games at the, at the, uh, at the trade deadline, we had better be buyers. And by buyers, we had better be going and getting that arm. This is a year where you go and take, and, and you, you have a rental. You go and get that guy that's going to, solidify your three-man rotation to go into the playoffs. And I have no problem, you know, get waiting until July to get that guy, if we can get through it. Oh, my God. This is turning into another All Phillies episode. Um, <laughs> should, 
Should the uh, should the Angels recognize the writing on the wall and just trade uh, Mike Trout to us this season? <laughs> should I answer this as a Phillies fan first or a, a objective? <laughs> Gene's like laughing at me right now. <laughs> no, they shouldn't. They, Why? They, because lots of things can happen over the next two years. All right, and... look, let me let me make the case for why they should. Because you want it to happen? No. One, it's <laughs> evidently it's manifest destiny. Number two, no other team will trade for him because they know he'll leave and come to Philly in two years. So take uh, you know take Mickey Moniak and uh, Zach Eflin and give us uh, Mike Trout. <laughs> Sounds fair. I mean, if you're the Angels, how do you say no to that? I mean, in all seriousness, that, that that's got to be in the thought process, right? I mean, like, what what are we gonna do if this guy really is committed and he's keep it tight lipped about it? I feel like the Angels, there's no package that they can get that's really gonna be able to. They're oh gonna no, there's like five cents on the dollar. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm the Angels, I, I think if you're their front office, you have to put some stock into the fact that you feel that he's never going to be a free agent, that you're going to resign him. If you're not approaching the fact that if you're already resigned to the fact that he's walking in two years, why didn't you? I, I, I mean, like, why are you putting out a, a feeling a team? You know what I mean? My, my bigger problem with the Angels right now is like, why aren't you looking at this like we've got him for sure for two years? We should try and compete. I don't understand why the Angels are are what are they rebuilding? Like, what are they doing? Why weren't why weren't the Angels in on Machado? Why weren't the Angels in on Bryce Harper? I don't know the uh, I don't know the level of wealth uh, of the California Angels. Do you? Well, they're in the they're in the California market. You are they know? still paying pool holes? <laughs> they probably still are playing Pujols. Yeah. I think that had some deferred money on it, the famous deferred I, money. But that was know. a bad contract because they gave him all that money when he was, what, 32, 33? He was way, pa- you know, certainly on the downside of his of his career. Yeah. So, But I, I'm inclined to uh, agree with two things there. It's, well, one thing. The other thing is my own point, and no one said it yet. So I'm inclined <laughs> to agree with one thing there is, yes, why not go for it now? Like, I'm thinking of the Columbus Blue Jackets. They have Sergei Bobrovsky and Atemi uh, Panarin who are going to walk after the season. They're probably going to Florida. And they had a choice to sell or go all in. They cho- chose to go all in. So far, not yet working for them. But they made the choice to go for it. And if you're the Angels... You have to consider that. You have to go, well, when we have, you know, one of the best hitters in baseball, we should go for it. We should, you know, take a look at this window and maybe just this year. And if it doesn't work out this year, sell them next year. Go and try to get a guy like Dallas Keuchel and have offered like a Manny Machado like $50 million over two years. You know what I mean? Or something. Throw out some insane numbers so you're not tied down for for a long period of time if that's what you're worried about. Or, Or at least make it look like you tried. You know, come up short and then go, okay, fine, we're, we're selling Trout. But why would you do that now, though? It's like, all right, listen, the Phillies are clearly tampering with us. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to show them and trade them Mike Trout from a position <laughs> of weakness. Like, that. you shouldn't do that. Whatever. Like, Don't cut off your nose and, to spite your face by keeping Mike Trout playing on your team. <laughs> Let's move on because there are other teams in this city besides the Philadelphia fight and Bryce Harpers. <laughs> Joel Embiid returns to the Sixers lineup, thank God, today. Because it was a monumentally important game today against the uh, the Pacers. That we won. So we are now number three team in the East by uh by, by a tiebreaker. Yeah, by a ter- by a tiebreaker. A second is it a second tiebreaker? Uh it might be. It might be. Because it's conference record, right? Yeah, I think it it's conference head to head and then it's conference record. Yeah, I but I think we're, we're one and, and one. Are we one and one or two and two? I think we're two and season. two. I think we're done playing the Pacers. Because there's only like fifteen games left in the season. Yeah, we're really getting much. down to it. And we gotta hold on to this three spot. Um a couple of things about today's game that I really, really liked. I loved the way we won this game because it wasn't a wire-to-wire game. No, far from um, it. What's that? Far from it. We they no. were definitely. It was definitely a rough second quarter. Yeah, we were never like out of it. I no. think at one point we were down maybe fourteen, um, which in the second quarter of a game is basically nothing. But what I liked is we got to the line so much today, and that's what Embiid brings you. Yeah, They had no answer to Embiid except to foul, and half the Pacers team was in foul trouble uh, by the third quarter. Oh, it, they were half the team was in foul trouble by, by halftime. They're, both their bigs had four fouls on them by halftime. Yeah, and even though these guys aren't fouling out by the end of the game, uh, it's certainly limiting what they can do defensively as well as offensively uh, to stay out of you know that fifth foul and sixth foul situation. So I really, really like the way that that we played today, and it just goes to show you that you know you can add uh, uh, you can add uh, Butler, uh, you can add Harris, and 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 all these other guys. It all comes down to Joel. Like, if Joel is healthy, we are going to be fine. You get that sense? Yeah, and the thing that I also liked about having Joel back is it, it it seems like the offense, when you are running, when you run into trouble with other ways that they run their offense, it seems like there are so few answers that any other team has for Joel. You can always default back to just running the offense through him. Uh, so it feels like they don't get stifled for as long as when he's not in the in the lineup. Uh, it also it just feels so much more comfortable defensively when he's on the court. You just feel like you're not as uh, fragile. You know what I mean? You, you you feel you feel like you've got you've got that anchor and guys can take more chances, which is you saw that especially in the third quarter. You saw a lot of plays of opportunity on defense that I feel like. You hadn't seen so much risk taking to try and, you know, deflect balls and and get those get in those passing lanes because people were constantly trying to get you know get back and it's almost like they were playing on their heels defensively. Um, so I feel like that's all the the stuff that Joel brings you and why he is, you know, the, achieved the status in the league that he has. The other thing that I, I thought was really good about this game is. I feel like the the momentum or the the morale of the team had started to slip. They were on a three game slide. Was it three games in a row they were on the slide? I know they had lost the Houston game. They lost that bad game to the Bulls. I don't feel like they had, they got a win. And the the uh, Golden State Warriors, right? So, yeah, so I feel like three. that's three games in a row. Uh, you know, and you can 
you know, argue that two of those games were we were not necessarily favored or expected to win. Um, but it was more the way we lost those games, especially the Bulls games, where you could feel like, you know, is this team starting to kind of bottom out? Are they exhausted? Are they tired? And it felt like bringing Joel back in for a game that was this important. And it's nice to have a regular season game that kind of had that playoff kind of energy to it. It felt like both teams were really slugging on each other. It got a little chippy. Um, so... You know, that was, you know, nice that they didn't let themselves completely flatline, and hopefully now the, the needle's going to swing the other way. And the other thing I noticed was, we were talking about how it was nice that we got the line as much as we did. Uh, one of the reasons we won this game is because I feel like Indiana couldn't hit a foul shot there for a while. They missed, like, 13 of them in, in the game or something. Uh, so uh, that was, the, the uh, you know, a, a nice thing is not only were we getting the line, but we were making our foul shots, and I feel like that's... You know, you, those are the basic things that you need to do to win games. Yeah, I know a lot of people were on uh, Brett Brown after the the Bulls game, myself included. I mean, like I'm kind of I get really frustrated with that kind of stuff, and I feel like it's it's discipline and it's coaching and it's awareness and it's it's all that stuff. But I did hear uh, something earlier in the week that going into today's game, I think that the starting five had only played like 80 minutes of game time together. Yeah, which doesn't seem like a lot at all. No. So, Especially in I the mean, playoffs where they're going to play 80 minutes in a series. <laughs> right. We need to just – let's play this thing out. And, and they we'll, played a lot together. I think they played the majority of the first quarter together. Well, they have to because yeah. the bench does suck. The bench does suck. I mean, Michael Scott's okay. Right. Mike Scott – sorry, Mike Scott – is okay. Well, I also um, think when we get a, when we get Boban back, oh that also God. helps a little bit. You know, when but, en- Ennis is out there and uh, the the other Simmons, I don't know. It's just it feels painful to me. Well, you know, and that was the thing is not only were we down in B, we were down our other center, so we were running. I feel like we were really hampered with the way that we want to play, being down both centers. You know, yeah, and yeah. not that Joel and, and and Boban are the same guy. It's just that that's where we want to be. Is there any update on Boban? How long is he going to be out? Are we going to get or, him back at all? Or Bolden? Yeah, I, I have know. no idea what's going on with Bolden. Chuck, hit me up with some flyers. Hanging oh. around, hanging around. These kids yeah. got to alligate their blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was my Teddy KGB for you. Yeah, thank you. The, You're welcome. The, the, the tell was Since it was you... unrecognizable, I had to... Uh, See, I explain. thought it was far more Bella Lugosi, like, or, or, uh, <laughs> or, or uh, Bella Lugosi and Ed Wood, but the tell was when you took the Oreos and then opened them up. Thank you. So that, that really let me know what you were doing. The Oreos? The Oreos. Very good. Yeah, okay, jokes upon jokes upon I've jokes. I've never heard it before, so... Yep. <laughs> I wasn't the one that made the joke. Whatever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the Flyers are hanging around. Um, they're sticking in it. They're five points back. And with a game in hand against uh, the Canadians. And it's another important week. That was a huge I mean, game against the Isles yesterday. Yeah, was it really yesterday? was. Yeah, yeah, that was it's... another. They've been in. I feel like the last couple of weeks, there have been so many. Like, if they lose this game. That's it, you know. Fire up the eulogy, but they seem to keep finding a way when in those when they're in those situations to come out and play well. Yeah, that that's what it is, and they've been playing really well. 
Uh, Brian Elliott has looked good for the most part in his return. He's continuing the good play. Uh, another solid game against uh, the Isles the other day. And it's just another big week. It's another week where like this is a, a make or break. Well, it's a or break week. It's hang around <laughs> or break. Like it's not going to make us unless unless we get a lot of help. So- Chuck, tomorrow night, are you watching Senators at Flyers or are you watching Blue Jackets at Islanders? Uh, I'm watching the Senators at uh, at Flyers. The fame, we, we have to do our part first. And I haven't heard an update on Carter Hart. I'm hoping we see Carter Hart back in net tomorrow. Um, if there's a game to get him back in, it's against the Sens because they are bad. Um, now, I mean, I... I'll keep an eye on the other games. I've been scoreboard watching, you know, obsessively and will continue to. And that's a lot of big games coming up this week. Uh, the Islanders can help us out twice, I think, um, you know, in this week. But yeah, sites are set on the Blue Jackets and before them, Montreal. We got past Montreal and then the Blue Jackets are the most vulnerable. But it's a, it's a big week. Uh, Ottawa must win. Because they're a horrible team, we have to beat up on. You gotta them. get, you gotta get both points on that one. Yeah, uh, we can go to overtime. We can give one up. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, Washington, it would be nice because we've matched up well against them. The last game, we obviously didn't, but in the past, we've matched up well against Washington. So it it would be nice. Toronto, they've been struggling of late, and we're going up there. So maybe we can sneak that one out. And then the biggie, St. Patrick's Day in Pittsburgh, 730. Uh, so right before we record on St. Patrick's Day, heads up, I'm probably going to be drunk. Yes. Um, <laughs> we'll see. But I mean, that's a that's a that, that's a pretty big combination to to affect my sobriety on a podcast. Um, and so Ottawa must win. Pittsburgh must win and we must take one of the two against Washington or Toronto uh, coming up with three points out of there. would be great. Then the next Tuesday, which we'll talk before then is Montreal. And that's another must win. Okay. So uh, w- when does this all this wrap up? When's the last game? The, the last game is uh, April 6th. Okay. Right. Um, so we are in what one, two, three, four. Yeah, we only got a couple weeks left of these arena sports. <laughs> yeah, four weeks left of the Flyers, and it probably will be four weeks left. There's just again, it's so tough. We need we need help. We need to keep winning at the pace we're winning at, which is a a fantastic pace, and we need help. And we're going to be down Voracek the next two games. Yeah, what did he do? Uh, he got hit from behind, and apparently it's a penalty. <laughs> um, which that's a lot. Is this another I, NHL hates the Flyers situation? He got if hit from behind Twitter, and yeah. then like defended himself, and like I think think I could say that kind of objectively, defended himself and was given two games for it. It it was. He'll come back fresh. Was he given a five minute <laughs> ma- major in the game? He was okay, and it was it wasn't sneaky dirty. It was dirty dirty. No, it was opportunistic dirty. It was like, it was, he didn't go out of the way to hit him in the head. And I think the hitting him in the head was 
reckless, not with fist. No, no, no. He's no, like shoulder, like an elbow. Yeah. Oh, okay, got you. Upper yeah, arm. no, not an elbow. And then some people are saying, "Oh, he hit him shoulder to the head." I'm saying like, shoulder was... blade. Yeah. That is a distinction. Um, sounds sharper. Start... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you sort of stopped short and leaned into him and let him sort of hit himself. <laughs> and that is stop punching the... yourself in the face. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds more, like more a. Like... This sounds like Flyers apologist hour. Is what it no, no, like. no, 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 no. Flyers apologist hour is he was just defending himself. Well, he was going to get clocked from behind. He, he oh, he got a two minute, two game suspension for being hit. No, no, no. He took the opportunity to lay a hit that became a dirty hit without regard of whether it was a dirty hit or not. So it, it's a lovely line. It's a it's the Ratko Gudis line, and it's kind of the opportunity I'd like to see one of my players take. It's the kind of thing I would have done when I played of, you know, hey, standing up straight, I, I'm doing nothing wrong. If I lean back a little, <laughs> this guy's going to clean his own clock. Um, yes, it's dirty. I was hoping for justifying. I think the only thing about the two-game suspension is I think it's just been inconsistent with what they've doled out in the past. Maybe it's right. I don't know. It, it's it's one you hope he could have gotten away with, but it was not perfectly clean. But it, it wasn't malicious either. I'm 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 watching the video right now, so yeah, I can get a real a real time. But I gotta I gotta endure a William Hill ad uh, before, because <laughs> you know the world bets with William Hill. All right, here it is. Eh, I'm a, eh, eh, I'm on the fence with it. Yeah, it kind of like he didn't even see him coming. He kind of just no, he saw him coming. It. It, no, no, it, it, he takes a quick look um, when he's a few strides out, and then he just times it where he throws his back into him. So it's kind of bracing for the hit. Kind of, I'm going to throw a shoulder at the same time. Mike Richards used to do this shit all the time. Mike oh, Richards. Yeah. This is, I just watched it again. Yeah, this is bullshit. This is uh, f- uh, NHL hates the Flyers stuff. My <laughs> feeling was like it's a penalty, but is it is it a is it a two game suspension bad hit? That's that's the thing is like it feels like that you're taking. I've seen it so much. Him. It looks like a dive to me. I have seen like way more nasty boarding <laughs> penalties go completely unfined and unsuspended, and and this just seems absurd. Like it seems like way overkill as far as punishment. Like yes, you give the guy a penalty, call it roughing or whatever, but like to to give a guy two games on this at this time of year is ridiculous. Yeah, give him a fine. One game would be tough. Like they they say like the the first decision is is it you know worthy of a suspension or not and then they decide on the games well Voracek has never been suspended before and this was not premeditated well can we appeal it, is that a thing that happens in hockey yeah we well can we get I, one I of those Ezekiel appeal. Elliott appeals to like last for like three years <laughs> well it wouldn't it wouldn't be deferred it wouldn't be like baseball where like you can just keep appealing play the world series and it's like oh yeah i did all the steroids <laughs> like like no that, that doesn't happen in hockey you're still suspended during your appeals process so um and also i think it has to be five games or more to appeal it there, there's some appeal process right, in place. I guess, I guess it. if you're if one of your suspended games is against the Senators, it's not so bad. 
And then the other ones against Washington, you know, Which maybe we're we're, anyway. anyway, yeah, it's, I, I thought it was real borderline. It's kind of one of those things where it's dirtier than some people might think, uh, especially some people I'm talking to, but it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, oh God, that's uh, hockey for Christ's sake. Yeah. It's, it's a freebie. It's a freebie. Somebody's coming to play the puck near you. Or hit you, you don't know. So you protect yourself a little and kind of hit him in the head, you know. But he wasn't aiming for the head. That was just good luck. No, yeah, yeah. it could have been way worse. I mean, if he threw an elbow, you would have really seen some. Uh, yeah, and some he didn't launch. Into hit them. the ice. I I heard a, some people say, well, he launched himself into him. No, he, he, no. Voracek did not launch. Anything. And when you slow this nonsense down to frame by frame, you uh, you got to watch it real time. Anyway. Let's talk about the Eagles for a second. What's going on with the Eagles? They're re-signing a bunch of players for more money yeah. than they probably should re-sign. Well, we, uh, we re-signed uh, Brandon Graham. Lane Johnson restructured his contract. Which and I like that heck, move, yeah. What the heck is going on with Bennett? You mean New England Patriot Michael Bennett? Yeah, what happened to this? How did this relationship disintegrate? I don't like it. I, I liked him. I wanted him to stay. Well, apparently, I mean, I guess boiling it down from the way I understand it is he basically went in and asked for a raise, which I, I can't say that his performance didn't kind of at least give him a reason to, to bring it up. You know, uh, it's strange timing, because if, if you kind of can read the, the tea leaves going around in your in your team, you can kind of see that Howie is clearly trying to clear up cap space. And you want to walk in and be like, yeah, man, I need a couple extra mil. Uh, you know, right. Howie strikes me as the kind of guy that's like, I'm just not going to deal with your nonsense, you know. But to your point, New England Patriots don't usually want to bring in guys that suck. So if, you know, if if, if the New England Patriots want to be your trade partner, there's probably something left in the tank for this guy. Um, so I hate... Well, they took Eric Rowe. Well, that's true. And thank God for that. Um, I mean, that, that's a team that's been in the Super Bowl... Two times in a row. So we, we can't really – it's hard to rip them for, for individual moves. But, um, you know, I don't like – I didn't like Bennett going either. But this is a thing that sometimes you see, I feel like, with Howie is he, he kind of like does – he likes to flex a little bit, you know? Yeah. I just think it's going to – it's it's a big void there. I mean, he played uh, played at a high level, especially down the, uh, down the stretch. And um, I don't know. Maybe if Barnett comes back. And is effective. Do you feel like he was kind of put on the shelf last year? You think that Barnett, this having uh, Bennett in there at all, like stunted Barnett's progress? And he was hurt, so. Well, yeah, I mean, that's true, too. Yeah, I don't know. I want to talk about, uh, real quick, about Antonio Brown. Um, And I watched, I don't know if you saw the the piece on uh, SportsCenter today with him and what kind of went down. Uh, you know, with the Steelers and, and ownership. And it goes back to our conversation that we had last week about, you know, who who's who's the what's the best ownership in the city. And uh, we talked about Jeff Laurie, uh, Jeffrey Laurie for a little bit. Um, basically, ownership is the reason this whole Antonio Brown situation went south, at least according to him. Uh, a lot of, hey, if I worked for you for X number of years, uh, do you have any interest in knowing my children's names or like ever meeting my family or 
you know, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, do you think I should have uh, been to your house more than once? Like that kind of thing. And it seems like the Eagles have a much healthier, you know, when we talked about Phillies and family and stuff like that, it seems like Lori has a tighter bond with players. I feel like also Doug Peterson is a big part of that too. Um, I don't know. Mike Tomlin does seem to be pretty well liked by his players, but Doug Peterson seems like these are the, the, the is the type of coach that these guys want to you know as 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 we said earlier uh, run through a wall for you know it seems like the, you <laughs> oh, know oh Gene you did it the run through the wall yeah not a brick wall is it no I think it's more like a like a plaster wall you know but <laughs> a sheetrock wall sheetrock wall yeah but okay. you know but I I think that that is one of the reasons why and if you go to Lori one of the reasons why he hired Doug uh, was that he wanted to kind of reinstate that sort of family atmosphere, you know, that kind of culture. This is Doug Peterson, as much as he is like the Andy disciple, I think more importantly, the decision to bring in Doug Peterson was to be the anti-chip. I feel like the players, everybody was so unhappy with the culture that Chip had brought in there to bring in somebody that was going to reinstate this kind of like, you know, Eagles, we are one organization kind of philosophy is has been huge. It's why we won the Super Bowl in a, in a, in a lot of ways, you know, other than, you know, you, you don't get the kind of performance out of guys that we got if you don't have people that want to be there. And what's going on in Pittsburgh, it's amazing how many people, because Pittsburgh is not a bad team and wasn't a bad team, but now all of a sudden everybody is, is trying to jump off of this thing like they're looking for lifeboats. Oh, I would talk about Nick Foles, too. So we have kind of the projected landing spot of Nick Foles being the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? That's what people are saying. It seems like that he they were the only ones that really were interested in picking him up, you know. Now, were, free agency starts, what, Tuesday? Well, not to jump the gun on my penalty box thing, but we're entering something called the tamper the legal tampering phase i guess there's four days where you can legally tamper where i guess agents can officially talk with ownership or players can officially talk with teams and then and i guess wednesday or thursday um you can actually start signing i'll let you flush that out but that sounds kind of stupid to me yes um i think that i think i I love this i love nick going to jacksonville it kind of puts him on the shelf in a little bit of obscurity for me. It makes it easy to root for him. It's AFC. It's, uh, you know, we're only going to see him at the link. What? Once every six years. Right. Which may mean we, which might mean we see him one more time. And even that game might be in London. Right. <laughs> so, I think know. that's probably why Nick decided to go there. Cause I think he likes England. Yeah. That was our, that would, that was our home game this year. Right. Uh no, it was a Jacksonville. Home it was Jacksonville. Game. Yeah. It's always oh, a Jacksonville home, home game. game. Yeah. Okay, they uh, always yeah, end like up having seven in Florida. There's no way the Eagles were going to give up a game at the. League. I don't. I don't know. I think the league makes you do stuff. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think this increases the chances of uh, Nick Foles being name dropped on the Good Place on NBC. Because uh, <laughs> Blake Bortles has been name dropped many times, and my first thought was with him going to the Jaguars. I'm like, that is awesome. I cannot wait for him to show up on uh, on the good place. Could you imagine if uh, you know the Giants decided 
to to make a play for Nick Foles or the Redskins. I know the Redskins just uh, acquired Case Keenum, which just like their their quarterback situation just gets weirder every year. Yeah, it's terrible. But I mean, Nick being in one of those teams would have been a nightmare. Oh God, no, not yeah. pleasant. Although I think he's entirely beatable. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, he's entirely wanna... beatable, but if he had like one three game stretch to start the season and Wentz is struggling, that's it. That's all we're gonna hear about for four months. <laughs> you know, it, it'll be insufferable. I just also don't want the idea of our to a certain degree, like our folk hero going to a team that is is a, a, a true enemy, a you know, a true villain, you know. And basically, as long as you're out of the division, I was going to be happy. But to go to a place like Jacksonville where, you know, the only thing we relationship we have with Jacksonville is we once played the Super Bowl there. Really? I mean, like, that's that's kind of it, you know. So it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nothing. It's a, it's a continue your career, you know. The, the only other thing that would have been better would have if he could have gone, you know, somehow and reconnected with Andy Reid somehow, you know. But obviously he's not going to go back up anybody. He's, he's clearly, you know, earned a right to start in the NFL. Um, but he's had this position before, and let's see if there's really something to it. He went to St. Louis and bombed. So, I have a hard time finding another team in any sport that I ha- I am more indifferent about than the Jacksonville Jaguars. I would say the Seattle Mariners. I I kind of have affection for the Seattle Mariners. Oh, okay. I have I have. I enjoyed those like oh one teams that you know battled the or those late nineties teams with uh, Ken Griffey Jr. that battled the Yankees. Okay. Uh, so. I liked Ichiro, and when Nintendo was a sponsor, and like <laughs> like they you know someone be at bat and see like Nintendo you know behind behind home plate that I always enjoyed that. I can get a I can get behind a team that. Uh, that Nintendo can get behind. Yes, me too. And we are recording this on Mario Day. Yeah. <laughs> doot, 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 doot. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, since clearly our princess is in another castle, let's go to Chuck's penalty box. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. And before we go to the penalty box, do you remember when Toad was called like Toad Retainer? Like that was like his name in the early days. And then we just dropped the retainer bit and went to Toad. I don't know why I brought that up, but I felt it was important at the time. Uh, so, Gene, we're going to start with you. Uh, Gene, finish your thought. Who is in your penalty box this week? Why does the NFL insist on having something called the legal tampering part of their calendar? Reading from what what the legal tampering uh, period actually means. During the two-day period, which is Monday, I guess at 8 a.m. through Wednesday at 4 p.m. this week, during the two-day period, all teams will have the right to negotiate all aspects of an NFL contract with the thir- certified agent of an impending free agent. Figures can be exchanged on a deal, but nothing can be agreed or announced before the start of free agency on Wednesday. Why? What's the point? You can do, like, who are you, like, this stuff comes out. Like, we all know Nick Foles is going to Jacksonville. What is what's the big secret? What are we waiting these two days for? Either have free agency begin, or have it not begin. Why are we having two days where people can talk to each other, but but don't tell anybody except everybody's going to know anyway? It's so stupid. This is another thing that the NFL just doesn't does does to irritate me. 
for no reason. I guess maybe there's a reason for them, but it's so stupid. And to call it legal tampering, that's so dumb. That's not a thing. You can't be legally tampering. Either you're tampering or you're not. Either the, you know, you can't be legally tampering. So put them in the penalty box for being dumb. All right, Gene wants to put them in the penalty box for being dumb. So the NFL's version of the purge, you are going into the penalty box for four minutes, a double minor for not having much point and having a stupid name. Dave, who is in your penalty box this week? All right, I'm putting in my penalty box people who bet on spring training games. Uh, Okay, we talked a little bit earlier in this episode about settle down with the spring training stuff. If you are gambling on exhibition baseball games, for lack of a better term, uh, I think you have a disease. There's, There's a problem. I mean, look. There's probably money to be won there. There's probably opportunity if you really dig deep and um, do your homework and figure out who's pitching and uh, maybe get some inside information about what types of things they're going to be working on and uh, how far you think they're going to go in these games. But geez, come on! I mean, really, you're you're gonna you're gonna wager your hard-earned money on uh, like a pitcher who has very limited chance of making the team working out his curveball that he learned last week. I just don't think it's a great idea. Anyway, people who gamble on spring training, getting in the penalty box. All right. So uh, spring training gamblers, you're not getting a penalty. You're getting an intervention. Um, we're here because we care about you. Remember people, I statements only tell them how they affected you. Well done, Chuck. Who is in your penalty box? You know who's in my penalty box? The loser point. And it might not be what you think. It's the term loser point. Everyone loves to throw this around. It's like, oh, you know, they're making up ground with the loser point, And their stats are inflated by the loser point. The loser point is not the problem. You go to overtime, both, team gets a, both teams get a point. One team's getting an extra point for winning a skills competition. So we're shaming everybody for the loser point. That's when the game legitimately ended. Then we're doing either three on three or a shootout or whatever to award another point. So it should be like the faux winner point. If you want to look down on people, look at the down on the winner who gets to claim two points as if they won regulation. We're long past due for a three point game. So, but. No more snide comments about the loser point. You're getting a penalty. Two minutes for being full of yourself. Spoken like a true millennial, Chuck. (laughs) We're going to make it the winner point. (laughs) Well, I'm shaming the winner. There's no losers here. You guys made it to the NHL. You're all winners. (laughs) A, I am Gen X because I'm old. And B, it's... It's not the participation trophy. The, the loser point's not the participation trophy. It's the faux winner one. Like, the you earned that point, not the winner. All right. Well, on that note, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, please join us uh, next week. We'll be back here again next Monday. Uh, in the meantime, uh, please go to iTunes and, uh, and give our show a rating. And uh, if you have a, an extra couple seconds, 
a review. It really helps us out, helps other people find the show. Uh, also, follow us on all forms of social media. And by all forms, I mean Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If there are more forms than that, uh, we are not on all forms. We are not on Snapchat. <laughs> Although I do have some photographic evidence that we don't know how to use <laughs> Snapchat. Um, if you have some more time in your podcast listening day, please check out the whip around. Uh, I think it's going to be a St. Patrick's Day episode this week, uh, musically flavored. So uh, be sure to check that out. Have a great day at work, everybody. We're out of here.